0: Hi, I'm Jason Hatcher, Managing Principal of Navigator's Western Operations. Welcome to the Western Edge, a Navigator podcast featuring the latest perspectives on Western Canada's biggest stories. This week, we're joined by Ed Greenspawn, President of the Public Policy Forum, to discuss the role Canada needs to play and should play in the face of rising emissions and the possibilities of export of our natural gas resources. This is the Western Edge. Ed, it's great to to have you. It's great to to chat with you again. It's been a a few years, but uh, it's
1: great to see you again. It's nice to see you, Jason, and thank you very much for um, having me on and taking the interest you do in these issues.
0: Well, you know, your, 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 your think tank, the PPF, uh, has just released a very significant report uh, in the last few months here that's gotten some some conversation and dialogue going across the country that we're certainly interested in here at the Western Edge and in Western Canada. But before we get into that, why don't you tell our, our listeners a little bit about what the PPF is and, uh, and your role?
1: Yeah, the public policy forum is a think tank uh, that's uh, quite different from a think tank. Uh, and that we're, you know, we're not um, interested in ivory tower, pointy head type of discussions that purely theoretical. We're interested in applied policy that makes a difference to Canadians, and and then we work with um, a whole group of parties. The PPF is membership based organization. We have members in governments right across uh, Canada. Uh, We have corporate members, we have union members, we have environmental group members, we have academic uh, members, indigenous, uh, um, all kinds of different uh, uh, people who have a common interest in good public policy. They may not agree on how to get there, and that's what we try to work them, you know, how to get to a good place. About tomorrow, we think we talk about ourselves as a think tank about tomorrow, and so how are we going to get there, and how are we going to have a realistic and pragmatic uh, uh, route to uh, better tomorrow?
0: Well, it sounds like uh, quite a uh, collage of of interest, and 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 I think that's probably why you've 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 been able to produce such interesting reports. Um, and it's nonpartisan and 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 not for profit. Is that right, Ed? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So let's get into it. Uh, the PPF just recently released a, a a report on on LNG and and maybe first let's tell our, our viewers or our listeners those that don't, may not know exactly what LNG is. Do you want to take a crack at it?
1: Well, um, first I'd say the report is about natural gas and LNG okay. is of course uh, an important part. Uh, so Canada has um, uh, great natural gas, a lot of it and and very clean natural gas as it is. If you want to export it though, it doesn't um, it doesn't travel. So, um, so you want to liquefy it? You have to liquefy it, to export it, and then you got to deliquefy it on the other end, which is very, you know, costly and energy intensive. But getting gas around the world, which is um, uh, um, which has fewer emissions than coal. Uh, or oil, but particularly coal, which it uh, tends to displace, uh, is important. So LNG is liquefied natural gas. That's how you export natural gas if you're not going to a neighboring country by pipeline.
0: Exactly, so why did the PPF tackle this? Why why now and and why did you guys ultimately do this report?
1: Well, the public policy forum set up an energy uh, group, uh, our energy future forum, about three years ago now, because we felt that there were dialogues that weren't talking to each other. One group was kind of saying, "Are you know, we're going to have an energy crisis, and uh, and you know, and you can't get off oil, and etc." The other group was saying, "We have a climate crisis, and we've got to shut down fossil fuels right away." And neither. Those are uh, probably the way the world is going to unfold. You can't get off fossil fuels right away. And yes, we have a climate crisis, and it's a very real one, and we need to do something about it. And the status quo uh, isn't going to hold. So there's probably two answers to this, and we have to it's not one or the other, it's both A and B. Um, A is we've got to develop clean technologies that will uh, allow us to get the future. We've got to electrify. Canada has a good uh, lead because of our hydro uh, uh, potentials and gifts. Um, But at the same time, we have to decarbonize the reliable sources of energy that we already have. So you don't want to throw them out unnecessarily you know it's not the uh form of energy that is the problem it's the emissions that whatever form of energy causes and so we were about getting uh, the emissions out and we were about getting a dialogue uh among everybody just you know very sorry future for this country if we can't get the energy question right and that's why the public policy forum is interested
0: well put and, and you really summarized why this report you know caught my attention and some folks that I was talking to you know we've often talked about even on this podcast uh, the need to have honest dialogue between groups as you described those that uh, are focused on the energy needs of our of our country of our planet but also those that are looking to arrest climate change and that great great challenge of our of our time i often find these conversations though are are naive, to be honest with you, or, or even immature dialogues, because people are kind of stuck on a point of view as opposed to creating these forums where we can exchange ideas. I've often said, like if climate change is the great crisis that we know it is, then we need all hands on deck, innovators, uh, energy producers, entrepreneurs, scientists, and environmentalists all kind of rowing in the same direction. So let's, you, you've got this mix of people and, and, and you describe these desperate interests. Uh, tell us a little bit about the report and how it came together and, and, and the highlights.
1: Well, um, so we formed a group, you know, let me just back up half a second, Jason, and to something that that you said a second ago, um, you know, that we need all hands on deck, because we do need all hands on deck. Uh, We don't just need all hands on deck, but we need them to stay on deck for 30 years. And there's Mm going to be, uh, the ship is going to heave and the ship is going to hoe, and we need people to be on that deck and to believe in in the cause of of having a decarbonized energy system because energy is is so basic to everything that uh that we want to do um so holding people for 30 years means you better have a very honest and candid dialogue with them today because it's going to be costs and there's going to be Uh, problems and we've seen I think in Europe that they didn't have uh, an honest and candid conversation with even themselves even the policymakers weren't having that Mm. kind of uh, conversation let alone uh, with the public and then lo and behold you get you know two shocks that come at you right in a row shock one is that you backed out of nuclear uh uh too quickly you backed out of uh uh, away from gas too quickly you've counted on renewables before renewables are really totally ready for prime time and renewables have made remarkable gains and then absolutely and then you put too many eggs in the Russian basket um yeah. so you make two, both of those mistakes and you get a double uh, a double energy shock and if you do that sort of thing you're going to lose support for ultimately you know the end goal, which is the decarbonization, which is a world that uh, that you know we've held the temperature to one.5 or two degrees um, uh, held it to you know a manageable, not not um, our favorite outcome, but at least an outcome that's not uh, uh, totally disastrous. Mm-hmm. So I think I think that's very much our purpose. Let's have this honest dialogue and you know we say electrification, for instance um it's a word people use a lot right. well essentially demand for electricity is going to double or more than double you know we're stimulating demand we're moving towards electric vehicles we're perhaps moving towards electric heat pumps that's all good what are we doing on the supply side where How is that electricity, that electricity that come right. from? and if you go double that's another niagara falls that's another site c dam that's another james bay that's another um darlington nuclear you know um, that's a lot, a lot of that that we have to do, and we have to engage people in the real conversation.
0: Well, and you know, it, it's when you're talking electricity and the demands. There's those increased demands that you've described, but this also is fundamental to how we heat, we cook for ourselves, we we store our food, and and that's what we're seeing in Europe. You know, the dialogue has changed so much in the last year, eight, nine months since since the, the, the war in the Ukraine. You know, I, I was in Houston at, uh, uh, at an energy show and, and the discussion shifted from was all about either energy security, but the predominantly, you know, how do we get cleaner? How do we decarbonize the production of energy? But back to this electricity piece and gas, what did you guys find at the PPF? How does your report sort of address some of these key issues that you've described?
1: So, so we we brought together um, some of the people in Energy Future Forum who had an interest um, in, in gas and what that would look like. And we had, you know, various discussions at a working table over, over many months. And then PPF was trying to tease out, you know, what are the answers? How does this move forward? And you know, one of the first things you learn about Canadian gas is that it's, um, it's relatively clean. It's among the cleanest gas in the world. Now, gas is a, is a fossil fuel. Gas emits, gas has methane. Um, gas is methane. Um, uh, but uh but Canadian gas is the best gas that there is. So if you're in a transition, which is what we're in for you know the next uh, uh 20, 30, 40 years. Canadian gas is better than other gas. So if gas is gonna be consumed in the world, not only is it good for Canada that Canadian gas is consumed, not only is it good for us economically, but it's actually good for the global environment. It's not actually good for Canada's numbers under the Paris Agreement, if you only care about Canada, but they're global emissions. So, you know, you wanna help the world. And, and, you know, two provinces in Canada particularly have been very successful of getting off coal. And uh, gas has helped them do that, uh, Ontario and Alberta. And, you know, we sort of said, well, the rest of the world's got to get off coal. Coal's actually, coal use is growing again. Uh, it's extraordinary. And, and, and they're so, firing it up
0: in Europe right now to save the winter, right?
1: Firing up in Europe, building new plants in Asia. Um, so we, you know, we said, look, why don't we take that coal to gas switching that we did here in two of our largest provinces, and make that part of Canada's foreign policy, Canada's contribution. The security issue. Um, we cared about the security issue uh, early on, and uh, and obviously that plays in it. What kind of contribution can Canada make? You know, this is not uh, a two-year or a three-year uh, issue. This is you know a, a ten or fifteen-year issue. When the German Chancellor was here, he left Canada. And uh, and then signed a 16-year deal with an Australian uh, uh, operation for for LNG. Um, gas is also uh, of huge importance to many First Nations. Many First Nations want to develop their gas in in Kitimat, where uh, the LNG Canada plant is being built. The Haiza people are also okay, that's on the west coast plant. of British Columbia. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, on the west coast, on the Pacific um, uh, to export. Uh, uh, to the p- Pacific, which we might talk about. So so every gas project I know about has indigenous partnership in it or an independent indigenous operation. And so we' talking we were talking to First Nations quite a lot. Um, you know, I think it was 16 of 20 of the first Nations along the coastal very controversial coastal gas link decided to become equity partners in that project. So, you know, they want to be part of it. Gas is also um, one of the two avenues to hydrogen. And, you know, I think everybody hopes hydrogen will give us uh, uh, a future uh, energy system that will be, you know, truly clean. So, you know, gas is one of the ways you get there. Electricity is the is the other way that you eventually uh, uh, produce hydrogen. So all of those things made us think we've got to develop our gas. And then a final thing, you know, for those of us who live in places where we have gas heating in our, our homes, um, it's very efficient. It's very uh, it's very reliable. It's uh, relatively affordable. Gas prices are going up in the world now because of what's happening in Europe but it's, uh, it's been a very affordable um, uh, means of electricity. So, you know, we're going, well, maybe we should think about how we can decarbonize it and not replace tens and tens and tens of billions of dollars of infrastructure for something that actually works. And I just want to give you, your, you, know, you and your listeners uh, a small factoid. Last December 27th was the coldest day Uh, in recorded history of the lower mainland of BC, as I understand it. And so there was a tremendous amount of demand for home heating and gas. And gas stores its energy, you know, in, in the gas. If you had an entire electricity system where storage is not the same now, you have to go to the peak of the electricity system to meet the demand on that day for so much home heating. And it would have required three times the entire installed capacity of BC Hydro. So we should just be very careful before we say, let's throw things away, that we have workable things that are going to replace them without making any compromise whatsoever on decarbonization.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that, right? Because as, as you talk about in the report, and as we've discussed a little bit here today, we've seen Europe now having to go back because they... They didn't do what you just described, and and threw threw things out uh, before uh, technology maybe was ready to catch up. But you know, this is a a very significant thing for people in Canada to swallow. Let's be honest, right? We've been told we've got to clean up uh, and get cleaner energy. We've we've, we've heard lots of dialogue around the future of the oil sands and around gas. But now, what we're hearing from from a group like yours is there's, there's kind of a strange juxtaposition where we have to invest. We should invest more in gas. Um, And that will ultimately help lower global emissions, even though it might raise Canadian emissions in doing so. But if the overall impact is such that global emissions comes down, if that's our goal, then that is something that should be considered. And then also you highlighted a couple of the the backdrops to that, that the way we produce things in our country um, are done with the highest of environmental standards and involves Indigenous uh, participation. Uh, how do how do you think Canadians are reacting to this? What kind of reception have you had so far?
1: Well, you know, I think the reception we have is a debate that has in Canada. There's a lot of people um, who, you know, say, yes, that makes, you know, perfect sense. A lot of people in Ottawa who say, yes, that makes perfect sense. Um, that and- might
0: surprise some of our listeners in Western Canada.
1: Well, you know, people people shouldn't be surprised about that. I understand. I understand why you know some of uh, some people in Alberta who are frustrated, or in other western provinces, or other uh, energy producing provinces, perhaps in Newfoundland, Labrador as well, mm-hmm. might be frustrated. But um, but you know, no government's a monolith. You've worked in government. Not everybody in government uh, agrees. Not everyone in the public service agrees. Not everyone in the cabinet agrees. So there's. Um, some people see it one way some people see it another way. I think that the people who are tend to be better informed in it, who get into portfolios like uh, like Natural Resources, Canada, or like finance, or even a lot of the people around uh, around the environment department, frankly, uh, I think they see the complexity of the transition and the dangers and the risks that you know exist in the transition if you don't move very deliberately, and if you don't backstop, uh, you know, energy reliability, energy security, energy affordability, um, you know, people are very sensitive to energy prices, and they're very politically sensitive. We've had provincial governments in this country that have been defeated on uh, on on energy prices, uh, particularly electricity, uh, and and so we've got to make sure uh, that's all managed. So the reaction has been to help stimulate a better debate to ask questions about you know well should we be working hard and try to help germany uh out while helping ourselves um you know what you say about um the domestic numbers you know versus the global uh uh emissions is contemplated on paris agreement there's a part of the paris agreement called article six hasn't been fully brought to life it's a way of of sort of trading, offsetting um who takes responsibility for, uh, for certain emissions or being able to trade that kind of responsibility. So, you know, folks in, in Korea, let's say, for instance, you know, they may say, or Japan, uh, they might be willing to pay a premium for cleaner gas. And then that money could be used to decarbonize, you know, there's, right. There's ways to to make this whole, in the Paris Agreement, um, imagine that.
0: And now, you're, I think you, you're, your report really took an honest look too. I mean, there's a short window to be able to help Europe, and big projects in Canada are challenged by time and regulatory process on a, on a good day. Um, do you see, did this report sort of see still Asia as the, the more critical market where we could de- displace coal with gas and, and thereby lower global emissions?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, our report definitely, you know, thinks that there can be displacement, uh, um, you know, thinks there will be displacement. Um, It also, it also says, you know, the tension when the report came out, which was just before the visit of the German Chancellor, which was an extraordinary moment to have a German Chancellor come to Canada for that length of time. And he came to Canada because he has an energy crisis uh, and the energy crisis is immediate. And to some extent, we can help with the immediacy of that, but not through our own export infrastructure because we haven't built it. So, you know, we can help by going through the states uh, 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 to some extent, and, and, and we are doing that. But we've, you know, we also should be thinking much harder about building it. One of the things that I think was misleading to people uh, uh, while I was here. Or perhaps confusing is a better way to put it. Is um, you know, it's hard, it is hard to build LNG in Atlantic Canada because you need to get the gas there. Now there are ways to get the gas there, but they're not easy. Um, mm. In Western Canada, on the BC coast, the gas is there already, and it's right. clean gas, and it helps Germany. It helps Germany because it's a global market. Once the LNG goes on a ship, it's a global market. And if Canada sends more to Asia with our proximity to Asia from the west coast, that means the Americans can send more to Europe. Um, now, when they send Asia, they have to, you know, go up the Gulf, through the Panama Canal, up the right. Pacific. You know, we're we're right across the way, if you can consider the Pacific Ocean, <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, exactly, uh, in
1: those terms. So. It's a global market and, and Canada can help and we can be moving towards an LNG Canada too. Uh, there are a couple of plants, um, uh, the high zone cedar uh uh export facility, which is you know close to ready to go, um uh one in Squamish uh, that's um you know uh moving ahead now. Um so I think we should be of help to our allies and and I think we um have a history of doing that. And, you know, probably want to be true to our history.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great, great point, Ed. Uh, you know, Canadians often, we see ourselves, you know, our past roles as peacekeepers and the like, and this is again an opportunity for Canada to perhaps punch above its weight. I mean, we have so much here in this huge country that we have in terms of natural resources, uh, and that could actually benefit the world. How How do you see the dialogue? Are you optimistic about that? We can get there. I mean, there's quite a dynamic between, as we know, between the current Ottawa and the current Alberta. Um, How do we get these conversations, how do we get past that regionalism and and have these kind of conversations that we're having today that are that are honest and based based on fact and and hopefully a, a cleaner future?
1: Yeah, well, I think I think we're about to see um, uh, an interesting moment of truth uh, is approaching, and that will probably come in the November economic statement from the governor of Canada because, you know, there has been a new variable thrown into the mix, and that's the Inflation Reduction Act in the United States, which has mm-hmm. large, large, large incentives um, for carbon capture, um, for hydrogen development, for, you know, uh, for uh, uh, grid, uh, electrical grids. And, and, you know, Canada's gonna have to um, think whether we can match that or make ourselves a more attractive destination or else, you know, run the risk that that uh, investment is going to move to the United States. So instead of having carbon capture built in Alberta, which, as you know, has um, great geology, uh, yeah. some of the best geology in the world for, uh, for carbon capture, um, maybe, you know, maybe Canadian and with talents in this and who know what they're doing are going to do it in in Texas or Oklahoma or Louisiana or California um, instead because uh, uh, because it's a more attractive uh, proposition, so I think we're going to see how Ottawa responds uh, to the IRA. I I I I think in carbon capture, particularly, which is very important to um uh to Alberta, but it's very important to s- the steelmakers in Ontario and, at, <laughs> That's right. and, and and others in the country, um, there's a tax credit coming. Um uh it's an investment tax credit. The Americans have both investment tax credit and a production tax credit. Uh will have to see what that looks. Now I gotta say that this is made much more complicated. Um, because the economics point in one direction, but the politics uh uh perhaps point in another. And because because uh, the way we manage down investment in the oil and gas industry has led to higher oil and gas prices, and therefore huge profits for oil and gas uh, companies right now. It makes it a little bit more politically difficult for federal government working across the country with a center-left um, um, you know constituency uh, within it to to you know be doing more uh, yeah. to help the oil and gas industry transition. But really, you know, the filter we all got to look through is we've got to spend what it takes in order to keep the climate from getting worse and worse. You know, that's the point.
0: Well, this has been a fascinating discuss- discussion, Ed. Like, we know that that growth in electric electrical demand, as you said, for vehicles, but also to continue to heat and and and, uh, and and lighter homes and the like. That's the dialogue going forward. You know, it's optimistic. We see the industry in Alberta and in Western Canada is is talking about their commitment to 2050, uh, and we see the government, as you said, looking at a tax credit. So uh, let's hope that this uh, this report spark, sparks more dialogue across the country. Because if I've said it many times before, if we want, if you want to solve climate change. You can do it right here in Canada. In fact, you know, in Alberta, send it, come out and, and you'll find cutting-edge technology and opportunity. There's a lot going on in Canada, and I agree, we can't let that investment go to the States. So thanks so much.
1: Thanks for the opportunity to chat, Jason.
0: Western Edge is powered by Navigator, Canada's leading high-stakes public affairs firm. Our show is produced by Kayla Duty, Zoe Kierstead, Kathy Moore, and Monica Virk. I want to extend a very big thank you to our guest this week, Ed Greenspan, for sharing his insights and expertise on the possibility of Canada's future in the LNG industry. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss some of the new, exclusive research Navigator has done on Alberta's mindset on our political future. If you've enjoyed this episode, well, follow us on Twitter at Western Edge by Nav to catch next week's episode. As always, thanks for joining us and listening to The Western Edge.